Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, new listener, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm one of four Dallandler shids whose mutual love of Alan Partridge drove us to make the very podcast you're listening to now. Each week, we dissect, discuss, or celebrate uh, an episode, book, or film of Alan Partridge. Uh, we break them up into chunks if there's too much to tackle uh, in one week. Uh, occasionally, we do them live in front of an audience, uh, and you can stick with us as we work our way through I'm Alan Partridge Series 1 and 2, Alpha Papa, I Partridge, Scissor and so on, with the ultimate aim of covering all of Alan's output across book, TV, film, and beyond. Along the way, we got to speak to some insiders who worked on the show. Um, there's a live show uh, later in the series with Michael the Geordie himself, Simon Greenall. Um, we got a few quizzes along the way, a lot of factual rabbit holes and some experiments. For example, we poured orange juice over a load of Bond VHSs to find out if they really are ruined. Also, to discover if you can draw a chalk penis on your own back. Um, so, all of that and more is to come. Um, we start with I'm Alan Partridge Series 1 and then we gradually work our way through uh, in a sort of a random order. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Um, you can get in touch with us, of course. Uh, the email address address is thepartridgepod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at thepartridgepod, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod, and on Instagram, inexplicably, it's monkeytennispod. Um, we do hope you enjoy it. Please do contact us with your feedback. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please do give us a review on iTunes. It makes a lot of difference, and it puts us in front of more people. I do hope you stick with us. There's plenty more to come in the Partridge universe. Thanks and goodbye. 
your next meeting at TV Centre, why not climb aboard the BBC Gravy Train? Support for this podcast comes from the BBC's Foxtrot Restaurant. Enjoy an extensive selection of drinks from Blue Nun to other proper wines. Right down to pints of bitter. The BBC's Foxtrot Restaurant. Come in for the cheese, leave with a second series. Welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge podcast episode one. Uh, my name is Adam Brooks. I am your Dossa and Dwad, and along with me are three Dallandless shids. We have Tom Dark. Hello. We have Nick Holder. Hey. And we have Tom Stab. Hey. So we are four friends who've been talking about doing this podcast for since 2014. I think it's the slowest moving project in history. Uh, what let's we, hope it's been worth the wait. Let's hope so. Um, what we are going to do is we're going to dissect, appreciate and celebrate uh, an episode each week of I'm Alan Partridge, the 1997 series uh, that sees Alan down on his luck and living in a travel tavern. Uh, so we are going to kick off with episode one. Uh, that is a room with an Alan and uh, episode numero one you mean yes that's right. <laughs> correct come on um, let's get it right we're also hoping to bring you all the facts that are already widely available on imdb and wikipedia <laughs> but if you spot anything we've missed or uh, or anything along those lines do get in touch it's the partridge pod at gmail.com we're on twitter at the partridge pod and also facebook.com slash the partridge pod i think that's everything so it's a very consistent yeah. social media policy there so you really yeah. can't go strong social media yeah. strategy oh god yeah. yeah we've also just spent about 15 minutes doing the most basic maths required to work out how old we were when this was first on tv and, and I still got it wrong. Yeah, I, I did was, as well. <laughs> I was 36. No, I think uh, it's somewhere between 13 and 15. So we were all roughly at secondary school. Yes. Except for Tom um, Stab, who was going through some sort of bizarre <laughs> alternative schooling system. I was one month from my 14th birthday when this was TX'd, transmitted. Wow. So yeah, I, th- I think the rest of us were 15 when I'm Alan Partridge Series 1 aired in uh, late 1997 yep. uh, but due to my rubbish uh, maths knowledge I calculated 17 but as Nick pointed out he was not driving a car when this series was on air I was absolutely not in my Saxo <laughs> I had a Saxo as well that was my first car yeah not, not, a, not a Mini Metro no definitely not a Mini Metro I'll just talk over you yeah. um, it was uh, a nice blue number so it was mine oh, I had right. a special edition the name of which I cannot recall <laughs> again more gold insights absolutely. like this coming throughout the podcast let's talk about uh, Saxos when this is fitness yeah. yeah yeah let's do a yeah. different podcast oh, we'll do a bonus episode he's the, only, he's the only other one with a saxo so keep out of our saxo right. channel right. yeah we'll do a bonus episode about that so what we're saying really is if you've got low standards after absolutely no new information about alan partridge then this is the podcast yeah. for you if you don't have the time or the inclination to look on wikipedia or imdb then we are your number one partridge resource absolutely numero one i, I numero would probably one. still say number seven at best <laughs> yeah but i mean you know we're, we're, we're a podcast we are here and you can listen to us whilst you're doing other things. Yep. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. a bonus. So to summarise that sales pitch, we exist and you can listen to us if you want. You can subscribe, but yes. that is your choice. Yes. Anyway, A Room with an Alan. Uh, shall I read you what the uh, original VHS describes this episode as? Please do. Alan gets a chance to put his new programme ideas, including Alan Attack, like the Cook Report, but a more slapstick approach, and arm wrestling with Chaz and Dave to BBC Chief Commissioning Editor Tony Hares. 
Nice. I feel like if 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 you were to ask someone, do you know anything about Alan Partridge or whatever, they would reference things that happen in this episode. Yes. I think this is kind of uh, certainly the meeting with Tony Hairs, which we'll come on to later. Yeah. That's kind of like seminal Partridge. It's the clip that's always used in uh, Talking Head programs and things like yeah. that. So. I mean, put it this way: the podcast is called Monkey Tennis because Monkey Tennis is one of those phrases that everybody knows, even if they're not a massive Partridge fan. It's out there as basically. It's shorthand for a stupid TV idea. Stupid? Hang on a minute. <laughs> Although, yeah, I think Monkey Tennis did actually happen. We'll, we'll, we'll get yeah, to that. We'll get on to that. How, how, yeah, I mean, that's another part of the podcast as well, is, if this isn't too lofty a term for poor Alan, is the cultural impact of uh, the series as well. <laughs> impact um, Bosch. Yep, exactly. Uh, so uh, this episode opens, like all the others, uh, with him presenting some bits and pieces on Radio Norwich. Um, uh, actually, we should probably give a bit of context, shouldn't we, in terms of where he's been up to this point. Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess because we last saw Alan uh, shooting shooting a man uh, live on on a BBC Two in Knowing Me, Knowing You, and then punching Tony Hares in the face with I think a roasted partridge in his Christmas special. So, funny enough, he no longer has a TV show on BBC Two. So, mm. and in some in some people's eyes, is a murderer now as well. Yeah, but I think he was cleared of the charges. It, yeah, in, in every ruddy word, it does say that he was. Uh, was it found not guilty after a police investigation yes, yeah. although quite how you are found not guilty of shooting a man on I mean, television it's, yeah it's literally the best evidence you can get really isn't it yeah <laughs> i guess it was a scared accident you'd manslaughter still, you'd still get manslaughter yeah <laughs> something about antique antique firearms yeah. bit of poetic sure. license there to allow alan to continue yeah. broadcasting after basically killing a man yeah, so the he's, purposes killed, of a he's killed forbes mcallister uh, but then they still had the Christmas special to do because I believe that was in the contract with the BBC. Then he punched Tony Hairs in the face and offended some disabled people and probably everybody else that was on the programme. And now we find him at Radio Norwich. Classic Alan. And not just at Radio Norwich, but also his car's now been vandalised. And he's doing the graveyard shift. Yep. What's that time again? What's the... uh, f- four, is it 4 a- 4.35 a.m. You're listening to Up, Up With, with the, the Partridge. Partridge. I was a little bit confused watching that because although he gives us the time, the clock is behind him, but I presume there's a screen of some kind that he's reading it off. Yeah, uh, I think they wouldn't uh, start the series with an error. multiple clocks everywhere. So. And there's no way that Alan hasn't got in front of him uh, three different clocks that say London, uh, LA, and Norwich. Norwich, yeah. Norwich. yeah. yeah. Very yeah. important. Obviously. But um, yeah, I think if we say... Basically, we're going to kind of, with each episode, each episode of the podcast, we're going to kind of focus on talking through an episode of the show. So we'll kind of talk through with our amazing and witty observations, or maybe not amazing and witty uh, uh, observations. Maybe sell yeah. it as observations, we'll, and we'll see. Let's not set the part too high. <laughs> we'll just do a bit of talking. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, there I would goes. say the four thirty-five a.m. gag. That is that is like the first. That's the first. That's the opening gag of the whole thing. Yeah. Because bang. you don't you don't know what time of day it is, and then bang, there it is. There's the time. He's on the graveyard shift. He's no longer on the BBC. He's I fallen guess the, from the assumption the is it's afternoon, isn't it? Because he saves the AM. It's four thirty-five AM. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the last time anyone saw him, he had, he was the host of a prime time BBC uh, TV show. So yeah. But not but not a real he's, not a real chat show. He's fallen. Well, it was on TV and I saw it. How real does it need to be? Very good, good point. point. <laughs> um, yeah. So his car's been vandalised to say "cockpiss partridge," um, but he has uh, amended that 
So that says Cook past Babtridge. Not quite sure why he needed to amend his own name. Surely just the uh, the swearing would have been enough. That is a very good point. I had not thought, I hadn't that. thought of that. <laughs> I hadn't thought no. of that at all. Bizarre. And according to the commentary, uh, the reason it's changed to Cook Pass is uh, a reference to him uh, fancying Sue Cook. Although that's not really evident. It seems like she's more an antagonist. Yeah, I don't think it's actually that clear what their relationship is and what their status would or wouldn't be. Because often when he takes phone calls from her or any kind of conversation he has with Sue Cook, it almost seems a bit strained. Do you think they have to... Uh, when they're writing it they have to keep that a bit of a distance because she's a real person if they, if they implied that she was like in a sexual relationship with him does she have approval rights do we think I do have so. a bit of info on Sue Cook's reaction to this series but I think Ooh, I'm going to save that for a later episode again, where she features a bit more, more reason to, uh, to keep subscribing yeah, yeah you should subscribe gold, like that. if you're listening please do subscribe Adam really does have some great yeah. facts but we're going to save those for yeah. uh, we should. I think we should probably also mention um, there's a reference at the very beginning to uh, Joni Mitchell's um, Big Yellow Taxi is that that's the yeah. song yep. isn't it um, where Alan uh, kind of uh, criticises Joni for her kind of blinkered view of uh, society and, uh, and paradise but what would paradise look like to Alan I'm I don't know about you but I could see him uh, probably being well he could be chauffeur driven by Sue Cook potentially to his second series to his second series see I don't think Alan would want to be chauffeur driven he likes he has driving gloves he's driving Sue uh, okay. of course he is yeah um, yeah Probably a jag. I, I just feel like Alan be quite content in a BP garage, really. Um, but oh, it's kind of a... as long as he's got a slate, he'll be fine. So, so paradise is the wild bean cafe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. what we're saying yes. with ample Flavias. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay. that's cleared that up then uh, that's also his first reference to town planning which comes up a lot throughout the series his frustrations with the the way people are paving or pedestrianizing various bits and pieces uh yeah so that's uh, one of many recurring themes that first crops up in this episode uh then he moves to the the linton travel tavern um which is now uh has become such a legendary low cost low quality uh low quality hang on a minute low the roast dinner's four three twenty five. What do you think you get for? Yeah, but it was nineteen ninety seven. That's you know, that's an abundance of money. That in that's probably a reasonable amount. So he's staying there, but now, but yeah, travel tavern has sort of become shorthand for a cheap, fairly nasty Eat hotel. For a sordid little grief hole. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You look at you look at the travel tavern industry now, and it's frankly boomed off the back of Partridge. <laughs> You've got uh, what travel lodge, travel. The other one. Okay, here's a, here's a question for you. Do you think Lenny Henry would have ended up in a premiere in advert had it not been for Alan Partridge? Are they connected? Was Alan <laughs> the first question to introduce? Well, I suppose like comedy and cheap hotels have got a long history because it's where everybody stays when they're touring around. The Is country. he actually a fan of? The Travel Tavern. I'm trying to think. Lenny Henry or Alan Partridge? Alan Partridge, sorry. The character well, of Alan Partridge. Throughout the, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but throughout the series, he, he talks about it in very favourable terms, but then also describes it as a ruddy nightmare. Yeah. But I think I'm that just thinking whether trying to impress the someone. people behind Travel Lodge or one of those other brands of travel hotel <laughs> would have potentially approached Steve Coogan to ask him to appear as Partridge to advertise uh, their hotels. If the, if the money was right, Coogan probably would have done it. Absolutely. But um, yeah, it is interesting how that kind of the, that Linton Travels Haven kind of is a bit of a catch-all phrase for kind of crappy budget hotels. Budget hotels now. We've all stayed or, in them. Or just a kind of phrase to just, if you are at a more uh, low-budget hotel, just to describe it as being quite a partridge-esque kind of hotel. Yep. That's kind of how those things get described now. So yep. 
I'm sure I'm sure uh, Travel Lodge or similar are very happy about that. So we're down the tavern, the travel tavern, enter partridge. Um, we learn <laughs> Ex- fairly <laughs> exiting the car, which is basically an obscene publication that he's driving around in. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I guess that's what they're doing. The first few minutes they're trying to establish just how low he's sunk. So you know he's on a terrible uh, yes, uh, late yeah. night radio show. Yeah. You find out his car's been vandalised by people that clearly hate him enough to buy spray paint and include his name in the insult. Uh, you then find out his wife's left him for a fitness instructor. Um, and uh, yeah, we don't really get... Uh, who do we... We never really get any insight to or suggestion of who has actually vandalised his car. That's, no, that's no. Uh, that was a very good question. And Vandal's got to your car again, again and, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's <laughs> happened more than yeah. once. It's, it's 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 referenced like it's happened several times. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance it's a it's a member of staff at the travel? Oh, yeah. I, well, I and who would is, that be? I'm not sure whether if the vandalising graffitiing happens when he's at the radio station or when he's parked at the travel tavern mm. not to make, not to jump around too much but I think in the the final scene of this episode someone's daubed twat on his car <laughs> now is that when the <laughs> Tom stab laughing at the word twat there yeah. um, now I think that happened that's happened whilst he's whilst he's doing his show yeah. I think that's when the car is parked at Radio Norwich so is it maybe someone it's else Clifton isn't it it's Clifton I think it might be Clifton you, that think is so a, Mm, his relationship with Clifton starts off very cordially in this episode and it and it, it, it gets worse as you go on until yeah. they're throwing, you know, insults and accusations of alcoholism around. And in the, the book, end. there's actually a chase. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> That's a whole episode in its, yeah. in its own yeah. right. I Let's presume, not go there now. I presume they are, they're more or less cordial at this point, but it could be wrong. Maybe, uh, I think it's functional at best. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a lot of, um, yeah, pent-up anger, I think. Mainly from Partridge's side, because I think he thinks he should be doing the breakfast show. Of course he does, yeah. yeah I mean, parts Partridge hates anyone else that has a level of success higher than yeah. him, and particularly because he has gone from the giddy heights of his own chat show on BBC Two to the graveyard shift. Of course, he's going to hate whoever has the main breakfast slot. Yeah. Definitely. On the commentary as well, one of the principal characteristics of Alan that, that Armando Nietzsche talks about is that he doesn't like other people enjoying themselves. So yeah. that definitely plays Classic into his, his Dave Clifton hatred, I think. So uh, he's coming to the Travel Tavern. Can I can I admit something about uh, Linton Travels Haven to you all? I assume I always assumed until doing research for this very podcast that Linton Travels Haven was essentially the brand name. Yeah, as in like Hilton Travel Lodge. Tannoy, come yeah. on! <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to not go there, um, but then I realised Linton is actually the place. Yep. I did not realise that. I did not know that at all. Neither did I. Not wow. just any place, wow. but also a place that is genuinely in real life equidistant between London and Norwich. Yep. God, they did their research, didn't they? They, they really planned they this out. They knew what they were doing. Maybe we should learn something from them. So his wife's left him for a fitness instructor, and uh, that provides the first of many jokes, I guess, where he fumbles with the last word of a sentence. So uh, the fitness instructor provides all her sexual intercourse. <laughs> and then later in the episode, uh, he doesn't understand the Geordie people and uh, he also makes a reference to numero one, one. which is probably my favorite because <laughs> yeah. who doesn't know what uno is like, <laughs> alan obviously clearly um, also in this first uh, scene in the travel tavern am i right that this is the first mention of bill Oddie yes it in is in the series as well yes mm-hmm uh, now, Tom Stab, I believe, are you our, uh, our resident Bill Oddie expert? Yes, for I, well, this? I wouldn't say expert. What I'm doing is, I'm, I, when doing the research for the show, I've, I've kept a, a record of every mention to Bill Oddie. Um, so, th- obviously, this is the first one. Perhaps towards the end of the, se- uh, the series, when we're wrapping up, I'll perhaps give a little overview of how many times Bill Oddie has been mentioned in the series. How many times do you reckon it is? Do you reckon it's more or less than one an episode? 
feels like it could be more. I reckon it's one an episode plus a bonus one. I'm okay, say seven overall. Okay, fine. Well, I mean, we'll, 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 I mean, it's, yeah. it's a little side note, but we can we can have a little look at that. Well, this uh, is exciting though, and if yeah. that's not a reason, to, if yeah. that's not a good enough reason to keep listening, then I don't know what is. I mean, what isn't what? No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't believe us when we said standards would be low. They really will be. <laughs> also, it's the first reference to dry skin when he thought we couldn't get any lower. His foot complaint comes up for the first time at this point as well. Very exciting for everyone involved. Uh, and the first reference to a lady's part. <laughs> he obviously had talent. For sure. Uh, now, I, I also thought um, in this this kind of the first time at the Trouble Tavern when he's talking to Sophie, when she when she turns her back on him and starts laughing, to me that looks very real. That doesn't like his acting at all. I've also got a note in this that says, is the laughter real from yeah. Sophie? I mean, it, I, I, to me, it seems I think they've done a lot of the scenes like this and improvised them possibly, so that's why the they're, kind of, they're just cracking up Yeah, they're doing it. Not a slur on Sally Phillips' acting. I'm sure she could pretend to laugh if she wanted to, I'm, but no, I'm, it, I'm, looks, it looks yeah, genuine. I'm sure it? she could, but it, it looks very real to me. The only thing is sometimes she turns around and does the sort of oh, shaky shoulders. Shaky shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a little bit... Yeah. But when she's smirking, it genuinely looks like yeah. she's trying not to burst out laughing. Pati- particularly with this this first time, it yeah. seems to me like it's very... Classic queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this is this is when Lynn comes in, I guess. It's when Michael comes in. They mentioned yeah. in the commentary yeah. they've got a lot of people to introduce at this point, so they've got to kind of rush them Makes through sense. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think it's the and, point... Oh, it's, it isn't the point where um, you first get laughs out of him not being able to understand what Michael's saying. Uh, yeah, I think so. I it's, think it's so. where you get interact was just a noise. Yeah, and I think this is kind of this comes back to where why Michael and Alan's relationship is so strong because you can basically see that he can put Michael down and Michael doesn't care and or Alan, notice in a lot of cases. Just doesn't, just doesn't oblivious to the whole thing. He's just happy to be there. <laughs> He's just glad someone's talking to him. Yeah. Michael cannot be trusted with money though. I can't. Stress <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, it's I think it's it's almost a formula for Alan's ideal relationship someone that will talk to him laugh at his jokes and that he can put down willy-nilly and they won't take it personally and forced to wash his car yeah absolutely kind and of a similar relationship to Lynn yeah, I was going to say basically yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Lynn and Michael are probably the two most important people in his life and yeah. for very different reasons they both enjoy Alan's company but who knows why I don't know if this would count as an insult or not but I think apparently the reason that Lynn is called Lynn is because Steve Coogan's real PA is called Lindsay so yeah. amazing can you, ima- can you imagine oh, parallels I'm sure she's yeah. not very happy with that I, i'm sure she gets more than nine and a half thousand pounds you'd hope is she 50 no i don't think she is <laughs> but yeah it's, it is it, it is interesting his kind of relationships with kind of with michael with lynn what have you it's kind of i think alan's character he very much says a thing where certain people are beneath him so with someone like michael he can pick and choose when they're friends or when he's like a servant for yeah. him basically yeah and obviously he always treats Lynn very much like a servant. You get the feeling like through his life he's been looking for people who will serve him and then yeah. he just keeps hold of them kind of thing. Um, so we kind of like move on a little bit and we see uh, Alan in his, in his hotel room chatting away to Lynn in a disparaging way and something happens uh, in the hotel room that I wonder if you guys have any perspective about what could potentially be in there. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's the drawer people. The drawer yeah, the drawer. Has everyone else got a note on this as well? Uh, I've got, yeah, I've got a few. Um, I think we just, just do a round robin about what would potentially be in there. 
Some, I, it's I've it's n- porn or a dildo, isn't it? <laughs> sure. I don't, well, think, I, I don't I, think it's a dildo. I actually think it's. Um, I just think it's porn mags or something. Yeah. Because he he says in one episode, I'm not sure if it's this one. Somebody's like, oh, they they, they were here when I they were there when I got here. Of course, <laughs> it's like the knowing, Gideon Bible. Knowing what happens, porn is in every drawer. Knowing what happens in later episodes is it Lady Boy related? It that must. Oh, now that's good. That's good. He yeah. he does seem very obsessive, Lady Boy. The, the reactions the that, it, that the drawer gets. Is not a reaction that that regular porn would. I oh, know, but Lynn is quite a. Uh, uh, she's a staunch sort of Christian, very Baptist. moral. Baptist. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, so, but yeah, then there are other people, there are other people who open it and laugh and say bloody hell and stuff like that. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. They would. Do I mean, that. the the, yeah, the drawer and whatever it contains features more than once. So yes. we, I'm sure we'll come back to this. Uh, a question to the group: Has anyone ever found anything interesting in a hotel drawer? I don't think I have. No, no. The uh, best you, I can... If you keep this up... Oh, yeah, go on. You've got, you've got a finger. Yeah. You've got a story. Got well, this, is I... like, this is like when you ask people what they're up to at the weekend, isn't it? You just want to talk about what you're up to at the weekend. <laughs> Let's talk about me. Uh, well, actually, uh, many years ago, uh, I was probably, I think, maybe 12 or 13, and my parents and I, we uh, had a little weekend trip up to Manchester, and... Genuinely, in the drawers of the kind of desk in the hotel room, there were porn mags. So it was very much a partridge moment there. What kind of porn mags? I can't. I, I actually. Or is that just remember. what your dad said? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were already there when he arrived. So a pivotal weekend yeah. for the dark family yeah. there. Great times, great memories. <laughs> so you were like, when you saw that joke, you were like, why is that funny? That's just what happens in yeah. hotels, isn't it? That's how hotel. hotels work. Yeah. 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 Gideon Bible and some pornography. Yeah, sure. Uh, also, some of uh, I don't know if it's in this episode particularly, but some of Steve Coogan's greatest stunt work is involved with trying to shut that drawer yes, very quickly. I have heard about that. <laughs> some excellent lunges. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, to actually, because so kind of when we have this first bit with him in the hotel room and Lynn's there, and also he's been using his dictaphone with um, some program ideas, and also lots of mentions of Jet from Gladiators as well, which is always quite entertaining. I love uh, Jet. Jet features a lot. So not just Jet, but also uh, Roger Moore, which is it strikes me as weird because I would have thought he would have some uh, bad feelings towards Roger Moore for not turning up for the Christmas special but he's still prepared to have a framed picture of him up and it seems weird you're going, you're going to live in a hotel for a, you know a sustained residency and you think um, what are the important things I've got to pack you know you're going to need clothes you're going to need a photo of Roger Moore you're going to need a photo <laughs> of Jet yeah well, I mean all the, all the bare essentials what's going to make this more like home a framed photo of Jet from Gladiators obviously <laughs> but does, fact, in fact does Partridge um, think that it's a sustained stay I think he's unclear as to the end right. date. Let's face it, he's booked in uh, Christmas he's dinner. In Christmas there, are some, May. Um, there are some letters in every ruddy word between uh, him and Susan at the hotel. And in one of those, uh, it seems that Sophie keeps trying to offer him a monthly discount and he keeps turning it down because he finds it depressing and he believes that she's offered it to him sarcastically and that he, he's right. not expecting to be there that long. Um, I did ke- I do keep tab episode to episode of how many weeks he's been in the travel tavern. So in episode one, he's already been there for 10 weeks. <laughs> just, so, just so you know. Um, spoiler alert we'll probably come back to this again but but by episode 6 he's been there for 26 weeks wow yeah must be fun should have taken that monthly chance. yeah I was going to say the Roger Moore thing I think actually uh, Roger Moore I think stood him up twice with episodes of Know Me Knowing You because I believe there's an episode of the normal chat show and the Christmas special 
Oh, really? It's a running I joke. Think, and if anyone wants to correct me on that, then... He's forever being let down by sort of actors and light entertainment, isn't he? Sue Cook lets him down, Bill Oddie. Yeah. Mick Hucknall was there, though. He, uh, Mick he, Hucknall was Mick present. Hucknall was available. He didn't let him down. Say what I like about Mick Hucknall, but uh, <laughs> he, he is reliable. So, you, you actually... I noticed re-watching all of these episodes uh, that, yes, the framed photos of Roger Moore and also Jet are very prominent. Rod, the Roger Moore photos actually they start appearing in the lap dancing daydreams as well. They do. I, I don't yeah. think the jet fa- framed photos do. No. It would However, detract from the homoeroticism of well, the, the, the lap dance. Very good point. Now a uh, little little insight into the world of Jet from Gladiators here. I've I've had the good fortune of e- of being on email with Jet from Gladiators. World wow. exclusive guys. Wow. Yeah. Stop yeah, what I mean, you're doing. I don't not think a lot I know of people can story. say that. Um, <laughs> basically, I, <laughs> 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 it's reduced him to tears. This had better be good. For, well, firstly, when you were speaking to, to when you were speaking to Jet from Gladiators, was it in the context of trying to organise a Millennium, Millennium Barn Dance, dance yes, at Yeovil Aerodrome? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, well, actually, oh, I'm going to have to clang dropping. Basically, uh, a member of Royal Blood wanted me to source her to assist him down the red carpet at the Brit Awards the other year. <laughs> uh, this is genuinely I mean, true. That everyone. is that is genuinely true. Tom Dark does move in these circles. Uh, yeah, um, that was not possible because she was uh, travelling to another country to do something but she sent them a video message wishing them good luck for the Brits and also sent me and the band some signed uh, photo cards the photo cards she still signs and sends out are exactly the same as the ones that feature in I'm Alan Partridge from Amazing. Really? Amazing. so she obviously got a bulk a bulk lot made nearly 20 years ago and is still sending them oh out. the same picture as well it's exactly the same Amazing. she'd exactly overordered, doesn't she she's <laughs> overordered. <laughs> Yeah, she's massively uh, overestimated the uh, the demand for signed photos of Alan Jeff will take all of them. But um, yeah, I have one of those, so that's in pride of place in that's my office. Something you and Alan have in common, then? Yes, <laughs> and you're now both regional presenters. <laughs> uh, so, uh, moving away from the travel tavern, I think we've we've exhausted his early beginnings there. Um, oh, there he, was there was one thing I did quite enjoy, which uh, I think also uh, in the context of 1997, they mentioned for Foster's Menswear. Anybody remember that retail outlet? No, no. no. <laughs> but then you were very much. Well, I calculated I was seventeen, <laughs> which was uh, which was incorrect. Sorry, uh, it's called what? Foster's, Foster's menswear. menswear. It was so beer and menswear. No, not, nothing. No, so you've got confused there. Nothing to do with uh, the lager, right? Was, was it like a Burton of its time? Uh, it was kind of Topman Burton Foster's. It was all kind of high Hang school. On. Top man Burton Foster's. I've never said or heard of that. <laughs> Sounds like a shit legal firm. <laughs> well, Hello, Topman Burton Foster's. <laughs> Have you tripped in some badly made pajamas? <laughs> Well, it's it's a real thing, and it did exist. We're going to have to take old man Doc's word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a man looks up a thing on the internet. Okay, oh. Tom Slab is now going to Google because he doesn't believe me. So what, what, do you think they made it up for the purposes of the TV show as well? Well, they made, well, they made, made it up they for made the up, purposes of a joke. They made up Travel what Tavern. <laughs> Where would they stop? <laughs> yeah, I, I like that Tom Slab's looked it up and the first, the, the top result is administrator shut 50 foster shops. The good news is... The date of that news story going live on the Independent administrator shot 50 foster shops is dated the 10th of April 1998. 
So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my point. They don't exist anymore. So they get mentioned yeah. in Alan Partridge, and less than a year later, they're shut down. <laughs> Business is closed. Armando and Steve breathe a sigh of relief as their reference goes out just in time. Uh, well, yeah. there we go. Something I remember and something none of you three do. So Lovely stuff. Good. It's been an education, though. Yeah, there we go. Um, we and so today. we uh, we next head on to... Uh, he's looking around his potential big house. Yep. Because uh, he is confident about getting a second series from Tony Hairs. Uh, so I have, a, I have a little note on this. I had a little... Because obviously he mentions how much... The, the, the house is on for £325,000. Yes. And he says, will you accept £325,000? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little look, a little look on Zoopla. How many properties do you reckon there are currently listed on Zoopla in Norwich that are five bedrooms and worth £325,000? I'm going to say a big fat zero. Zero that. from Tom Dark? Three from me. Three from Nicky Alder? I'm going to abstain because I've just read the answer off your bit of paper. <laughs> That is the downside of having uh, Adam right next to me. I can tell you, one of you's actually got it bang on. One of you is right. So we've got oh zero God. or five. This is or so three. exciting. The correct answer is. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Three. There are three houses in Norwich. Currently, five-bedroom bastard houses on for £325,000. Well done, Nick. Pounds. Oh, you amazing. win the prize, which is to continue recording this podcast. Well done. Also, on the director's commentary, uh, they, they, I think Steve Coogan says, somebody wrote into him after this aired and said, oh, Alan wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have just, like, uh, he wouldn't have just bid £1,000 underneath, to which Steve Coogan said, well, yeah, but... It's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there are a few things where obviously Alan's a bit out of character for the purposes of comedy because it's more important that it's funny than it's accurate, accurate. yeah, <laughs> fictional broadcaster's life. So uh, yeah, uh, I would just say about the uh, this this scene as well. This is a classic uh, example of how much of basically a shit Alan is to Lynn. He does yes. several things to Lynn here that are pretty pretty well mean. Um, 
So he walks into the lounge, uh, lovely lounge, uh, throws his coat on the sofa and pushes straight past Lynn and doesn't let Lynn go on a tour of the house. The man actually stays there. The, the way he gets in front of Lynn to go through the double doors is one of my favourite things in this scene. It's so good. He just kind of nips in front of her. <laughs> oh, a little point on Lynn, actually, again, from the commentary, is that they realised after they'd done all of this, they were so hasty in introducing people. They never explain Lynn. She's never introduced. There's never any kind of exposition. This is Lynn, my PA for or anything they just they just get straight on with it and people just have to accept that she's there and she's well, yeah i guess we've watched it so many times we obviously know the context of who lynn is what she is how much she's paid how old she is but if you're coming to it fresh it's just like who is this sort of like little mouse that yeah. just follows alan around i don't think it matters really i think it's i think i think it's fine um also just to, to not to skip back too far but just to talk about the drawer in the hotel room again um on the uh, on the director's commentary that alan does with lynn uh they he, he just says <laughs> people always want to know what's in the drawer and they just moves on to the next point <laughs> it's never explained uh, this is also the house of course where you get the uh, the now infamous Buck Rogers toilet yeah kind of like I always Flash found that the first yank yeah yeah, but I, I, I just think podcast. that was a that was a strange. It doesn't look that much like a Buck Rogers toilet. It's just maybe in 1997. Yeah, remember, it was Nick, this is nearly context, 20 years yeah. context. 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 We've all seen the film Hackers. We know what the future looks like to people in the <laughs> and past. And the net. And the net. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Very much like a Buck Rogers toilet. Um, would you? Okay, so you're, you're on a house tour, prospective house. Would would you do a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think Alan would. Alan would. Yes. True, true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, when you've got to go. Yeah. And he basically gets back into the room, does a quick PCA on it, and is like, yeah, one yank, and it was all gone. Again, would you share that? Uh, uh, again, Alan would. Alan yeah. would, yeah. I think I mean, he has no tax or, yes. or remorse for sharing things. I think I would as well. Also, I'm not yeah, sure. T- Tom Stab and Alan Partridge would. Proud of your movement. Be proud. proud. Um, I think this is uh, one of the occasions in this series where he asks someone if they've seen his show, and I think the success rate when he asks somebody if they've seen it is zero <laughs> no one he no one he brings it up with has ever seen it there seems to be basically one fan which is jed maxwell who we'll get to later that's about it he loves it enough for everyone uh, is there anything else at the house or shall we move on to his meeting with tony hares oh, well I, I, I just a few bits that i love things like what's that little sink there get rid of it and yes it's an extender all absolutely quintessential partridge moments they're fantastic yeah we probably didn't mention the bit as well where he basically has a go at lynn in front of the estate agent because she didn't notify him while he was taking a dump <laughs> that, the, that the meeting had moved again you kind of think that would just be a bit of an awkward exchange but again Lynn, Lynn takes the flack I reckon in our jobs we've all met people like that who blame things on other people when it was they already knew what, whilst they've been having a poo not necessarily that but I think there's definitely people that I've come across who will blame other people when it's information that they sort of either should know or already knew yeah the killer line for me there as well is when uh, when he realises he's in the wrong and there's two people there that can verify it <laughs> but rather than accept he just goes was I in there that long? <laughs> uh, okay, so should we move on? Um, and this is kind of obviously a pretty big scene that we're coming on to um, where basically Alan goes for lunch at BBC TV uh, Television Centre, the Foxtrot yes, restaurant. It, it's time for the scene that gave the podcast its name. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, who's going to talk us through it? 
Well, I've got a couple of bits and pieces on it. Um, so Peter Linehan, who is revamping current affairs, is obviously a nod to uh, Graham Linehan, yeah. uh, writer of Father Ted and uh, a guest in a later episode. Um, also, it turns out that while they were recording, oh no, while they were writing, sorry, this series of Alan Partridge, they were also writing uh, the the newest series of Father Ted in the room next door. Um, yeah, the third and final series, I think. Yeah, so, oh, so, so they had something of a pod, uh, podcast, something of a sitcom race <laughs> to see who could get to the end of it at the first. Um, and, and a note I did make about this scene uh, is that why doesn't Alan take his coat off? <laughs> yeah. He sits over a whole dinner. It's like he knows he's not going to be there long enough. The BBC with his coat on. Yeah. So a little supplement, like a little supplementary question in terms of like he should, maybe assumes he's not going to be there long. It's just a sort of formality. Do you think Alan genuinely thinks he's he's going to that meeting to be given a second series? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And. Uh, one thing that I think is actually quite funny about this when you think about it is that he basically, you know, pulls up a, a television centre and then obviously goes in, but Lynn is basically left sitting in the car. <laughs> like, Lynn is literally just, yep, see you in about an hour, I'm going in for lunch, you wait here, don't turn on the radio or open windows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Poor I, I Lynn think is basically like a dog. Lynn, in a Lynn's die in hot cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is very much, that seemed, that's how he treats her. Yeah, um, I also kept tabs across the series of how many programme ideas he comes up with across all six episodes of the 17 that he comes up with across the whole series he spunks 10 of them in this one meeting with Tony Hayes as he gets increasingly desperate my, and probably my favourite bit amongst the, the programme pitches is the point the point when he about halfway through he runs out of ideas in his folder and that's when you know you're getting into yeah. like just off the top of his head territory I love, I love the point that he puts the folder away and like now we're seeing what he can come up with straight yeah. off the top yeah. of his dome and also there were again I made a note again Again, this scene strikes me very much that they improvise a lot of it. I think they probably had some scripted things, and then also Coogan just coming up with things off the top of his head. Yeah. So on the DVDs or back in the 90s, the VHS tapes, they had add-on Alan. So I think there were kind of uh, an extra kind of 10 minutes on each tape or each each DVD um, with outtakes from the scene. So there are other program ideas that didn't make the final cut. Amazing. Well. Uh, Monkey Tennis, they spent a lot of time coming up with that particular one because they, they were adamant they needed a two-word name that yeah. conjured up an instant ridiculous mental image. Um, and that's where Monkey Tennis came from. Also, Steve Coogan said that somebody in the aftermath of this going out, uh, I think it was someone from Bentley, he was getting he was getting a free Bentley to hire or something like that but an employee got his contact details and they sent him a dictaphone full of kind of fake Alan ideas and, uh, and then so Amanda and Nietzsche's <laughs> on the commentary say oh so were any of them good no well, they weren't even bad they were just average <laughs> okay so we see Alan basically talking through a series of uh, TV shows which he frantically pitches at Tony Hayes uh, so we'll run through what he's got and maybe we could agree now whether we would have commissioned these whether they'd work on TV that's great why, why don't Tom Stab you can be the head of programs for the BBC oh promotion lovely uh, yeah it's, it's about time you've earned it thank um, you very much so mate. if you'd like to use the uh, quiz bell well there. I assume that, that the uh, chief commissioning officer at the BBC has a bell on this, his desk this is how this I, is I know this this is how TV programs so they come in yes. they pitch an idea and if it's approved if you like it you get this also, Tom Stab, I would say be very wary before you take this position because people that become the chief commissioning editor of the BBC generally have a pretty short lifespan. Oh, dear. <laughs> and also, this is before any kind of U-tree operation, so I think maybe... Uh... Oh, he's... <laughs> wow, episode one of the podcast and we've gone U-tree already. This is amazing. We can cut that, that's fine. No, let's not. Okay, good. Uh, right. 
I've okay. approved that idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've approved this podcast. In at number one, we've got Alan Attack, which is basically a, the cook report with a slapstick approach. Am I commissioning this in 97 or am I commissioning this in 2016? Let's get a modern take. If you're commissioning it in 2016, nobody knows what the cook report is. Exactly, so I'm not commissioning it. Okay. Oh, that's I'm, a pass. I'm, I'm pretty sure open. Netflix will commission all of this as well. <laughs> <laughs> take that as a given. Uh, so, yeah, Alan Attack, cook report with a slapstick approach. Would it get commissioned? No, I'm not commissioning it. Okay. Cold. Dealt with. Um, this, this one, arm wrestling with Chaz and Dave. I'm not sure you could even do arm wrestling with Chaz and Dave now. I don't why, think it's BBC Channel Obscure enough to put that on anymore. BBC Four. It's got BBC Four written uh, all over it. Mm, I'm not the commissioning editor of BBC Four, am I? Well, you're, you're you the head of programs for the BBC. Okay, it's up to you. No, I'm not commissioning it. Sorry, oh, sorry, Chaz sorry, and Dave. Chaz and Dave. Yep. Um, you know they're only going to get worse from yeah. here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I already know in my head which ones I'm commissioning. Right. <laughs> uh, knowing me, knowing you. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely commissioning that. that you do great. have to keep their energy levels up, though. Absolutely. Yep. That gets commissioned. Excellent. Uh, inner city sumo. That's basically fat people. <laughs> approved. Instant yeah. The name, you've got me by the jaffers. I'm, appro- I'm approving it. C- cooking in prisons? Well, that already that went has out. happened. That has happened. That's Gordon Ramsay made that as a break. So I'm not commissioning it because Channel, Channel 4 beat already done bunch. it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, this is personally my favourite one, but uh, a partridge amongst the prison. Pris- <laughs> Partridge amongst Easy. prisons. Easy for you to say. A partridge amongst the pigeons, which I should flag is just a working title. It's basically Alan in Piccadilly Circus <laughs> feeding the pigeons, going, "Oh God!" Yeah, you have to commission that on title alone, basically. Yes, I'm commissioning that. <laughs> the right answer. He's gone rogue. Uh, youth hostelling uh, with Chris Eubank again, which that again happened, has it? happened in a kind of weird within kind of the last year stuff. or so that happened. So. so, when deciding whether to commission that or not, you've got the added benefit of knowing that Chris Eubank has at least some enthusiasm for the project. It's been done. I'm not commissioning it. Ooh. There you go. See, that's why I paid the big bucks. Fair enough. Uh, and then finally, we've got uh, Monkey Tennis. I will only approve it if it comes in the format of a podcast talking about Alan Partridge. Uh, okay. Oh, so meta. Never going to work. Never going to work. <laughs> the meta, the better. Uh, so just to recap, when the, that, that list of program ideas, how many of those things have actually become real? Uh, Two, I think. Is that right? Yeah. So we're saying Cooking the youth with Chris Eubank, um, along with... What was the other one? Uh, Cooking, Cooking in Prison. prison. Because that happened yeah. with uh, Gordon Ramsay. Also, I've realised by this point in the episode, Alan's already had a number of other program ideas that we've not discussed yet. I'll just run through them quickly. Uh, one is A Man Trapped in the Future, Hunted by Cyberpunk from the Past, starring Rutger Hauer. Netflix uh, would definitely commission that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a bit more vague, just a show about man inhumanity to man <laughs> Tom would you commission that right and uh, and uh, then there's obviously Jet hosts a millennium barn dance at Yeovil Aerodrome which must not repeat not turn into an all night rave oi 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 technically there is actually a uh, a programme pitch to Tony Hares before um, before Alan Attack in fact there's two before then there's uh, first he says he'd like to make a genuinely popular wine programme uh, and then he also pitches Swallow uh, a, Nor- <laughs> a Norwich based detective series where he's not afraid to bend the rules to get results for example I think driving 60 miles in a 30 70, I think it was like 72 yeah. miles an hour if he needs to get somewhere needs to get somewhere really fast yeah. I've gone trigger happy I've gone power mad I'm approving both of those oh, no. take the bell I'm, away I'm from this conf- guy I'm going to confiscate oh. the uh, quiz bell there right, I've been sad you're right it didn't last very long didn't last very long did it no uh, so yeah Program ideas rejected. Yeah, it's not gone well with Tony Hayes, has it? He's he's listened to them. He's listened to them all, uh, and he he's not particularly impressed with them. You get the impression that really it was always going to be a no. And uh, at this point, Alan kind of presses him, and he delivers he delivers the news that he's not getting a second series. 
Yep, the bombshell. Which I think Alan uh, Alan takes rather well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, digni- definitely with a kind of a dignified response. Yes. With, with a pinch of dignity. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think probably the most famous Alan... Arguably the most famous Alan catchphrase or moment is when he sticks his fork in the cheese, sticks it in Tony Hare's face and says, smell my cheese, you mother. I think that's very hard to define the most... Iconic yeah, Alan. There's moment. a lot of them. There's a lot of a lot of programs. Um, I mean, from. it's the things like things like monkey tennis are phrases which are now quite commonly used to kind of signify a bit of a silly TV idea or silly kind of media kind of moment. Yeah. So in the same all, way, as sort of, like in the same way as like Nathan Barley got used as shorthand for kind of ridiculous mm. hipster, you know, style over substance type stuff. Yeah. Or the Linton Travel Tavern Hotel yeah. thing, stuff like that. Another so, question about this scene: uh, the, the noise that leads into the phrase "Who do you think you are?" Would you say yeah. that's your favorite alan noise or because a lot of a lot of his noise a lot of his uh, well not a lot of his jokes but a proportion of his jokes or, or comedy in alan partridge comes from noise rather than words so you've got the <laughs> at the end of yeah. uh, episodes you've got the you think you are um i'm a big fan of that it, one it is uh, well i think this this whole scene is is yeah it's a very classic bit of partridge it's great like, if you put alan partridge meme into google the first thing that comes up is smell my cheesy mother Okay. There we go. The, the evidence speaks for itself. Yeah. Google says it's seminal. Exactly. Uh, now, out of the out of the group, how many? Actually, I'll, I'll rephrase that. Uh, no, has... I'll just ask it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, has anyone from the group been to BBC TV Centre? Yes. RIP, as it is not now. No. To watch this being filmed, in fact, the second series of. of oh no, I did. I went to go see an episode of Nevermind the Buzzcocks oh, years ago. Which, uh, of which era? Out of interest. Uh, it was, yeah, it was Amstel era. It was Amstel era. Classic Amstel. Great, yeah. great anyway, times. Great I times. digress. Um, because I just remember the first time I went to TV Centre, I was most excited about it because I would get to basically be where Alan runs across the uh, car park of the BBC shouting about the BBC gravy train. Apparently, after he uh, left the meeting with Tony Hares, they filmed an additional, they had an additional 10, 15 minutes of footage of just him running around the BBC wielding a cheese as well, see, up I and would, down corridors. I would love to see that. I feel like what, what might have added just a little bit to this program is if you'd seen him run through the sets of other BBC programs <laughs> wielding G, you know, across the floor at later with Jules Holland you know through a children in need broadcast that sort of thing so Tony Hare's wise it's awful uh, I, I think we're all big fans of the bit where he's running past other people innocently having lunch at the Foxtrot restaurant and accusing them all of being on the BBC gravy train the gra- I, I, will, I will let you into a TV exclusive that restaurant does not exist what I know mm. Bombshell. TV, you've lied to us again. <laughs> uh, and so, unless there's anything else Tony Hairs-wise, he's then uh, going over how it's gone in the car with Lynn. I think, it, uh, they don't they park up outside the house he wanted to buy and now can't? Yeah, basically. Um, where Alan basically says, I wasn't expecting that. And you kind of feel like, you know, he genuinely at this point reveals that he thought it was going to go a lot better. He thought he was going to get a second series. Remember, and we haven't actually discussed this, uh, that he basically goes through a role play scenario with Lynn earlier yes. where um, they play out what could happen with uh, Tony Hayes oh, yes, and he yeah. kind of like forces Lynn to essentially make sure that he gets a second series and yeah. Lynn is baffled as to what's even happening but the net result being that Alan is happy that he will be getting a second series so he goes into that meeting with the utmost confidence that what happened in a, a heavily orchestrated scenario with Lynn will repeat itself with Tony and it just doesn't yep. and then he has also has another uh, sort of theoretical conversation in the car afterwards where he basically loses an argument with Chris Rea, but he, <laughs> yeah. he is playing both himself <laughs> and Chris, Chris Rea. So <laughs> it's entirely up to Alan how that conversation goes, and he still fluffs it. But again, I think that's that 
that's a great moment because it really just encapsulates Alan's character that even in a fictional scenario in his head he still comes out the loser that yep. just says it all about him and after all of the uh, support and uh, theoretical situations Lynn has helped him through he then offers to drop her at the cab rank <laughs> <laughs> and he will not join her Baptist church yeah, yeah. I think in, in modern day times as well he wouldn't call for an Uber to come and collect her it would still be very much drop her in the middle of nowhere but do be careful because there's no lights on the dual carriageway <laughs> <laughs> also who serves mini Kievs at a barbecue that's oven food <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and maybe that's that's why Chris Rear got annoyed, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and fair play, Chris Rear. If you're going to a barbecue and you get a mini Kevs, that's just not good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Alan's pretty, you know, feeling dejected and slumps back to the Linton Travel Tavern um, and goes up to his room. And I'm <laughs> struggling to remember what he does from there. He, he orders an Irish coffee yes. and then listens to Jet by Wings, yes, yep. which are only the band Beatles. Jet! And then it, uh, it cuts back to, uh, it ends the way it starts, as all the episodes do, with him back in the studio. My only notes on this are that he's got Savlon and Paracetamol visible and to hand in the studio <laughs> for his flaky foot and probably some sort of stress <laughs> headache. Good, good and, and obviously uh, they've added twat to the car as well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My favourite bit. Of I episode. like the fact that the use of the word twat is getting the biggest laughs from all of us. Yeah, just some just some music notes here. When he's back in the radio studio, you've got uh, Kate Bush being referenced. Uh, Huey Lewis in the news and he keeps on playing the wrong track and the wrong jingle which is funny yeah and uh, we have we have made a Spotify playlist of all the tracks that get played in this series so that will be the link for that will be accessible on our social media channels. On the social medias. I've got a couple of leftover facts, if anyone's interested. Uh, Peter Bainham, uh, who was one of the writers of this series, uh, only joined after the start. He wasn't there for, uh, for the writing of, of a lot of the first oh, episode. All the Dave Clifton bits were recorded in one day um, as well. All of them, throughout yeah, the entire series. The whole series. Wow. Um, Phil Cornwall is very busy. Yeah, well, I feel like you got one day's work out of what was basically absolute comedy gold. <laughs> well, also, I was going to save this for later, but it's a good one. Um, David Schneider, who's playing Tony Hayes, yeah. uh, he actually got six episodes worth of fees because of the lap dance scenes that are peppered for the episodes. <laughs> I think we should kind of come it's on to the lap dancing up. scenes because we haven't we haven't really discussed it, and I think that we should probably just spend a few minutes just going through this, what it means, what it signifies. Well, we don't. Yeah, he's doing that. I just basically say it's a funny scene. Well, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> in, the com- in the commentary, Steve Coogan and Amanda Nucci seem somewhat baffled as to what it's supposed what, to mean. Why has really? he lost his hair in one of them? That's what I don't understand. What Tony Hayes? Yeah. Tony Hayes has lost his yeah uh, hair. Signify loss of his strength I don't know I, I don't, yeah I find that, that is yeah it's str- I think we're strange. taking too much meaning into it. I think they were just like, oh, look at this. Bit just of, do something. Look at this skull cap. <laughs> I think they were, just, they were just trying to make him look more grotesque with the angles they chose, like under his chin. And yeah. like, you know, I think they're just trying like to make him more of a monster. Yeah. yeah, throwing his blue nun around. Okay, we'll part that then. Why is Alan in a, a lap dancing club wearing basically a thong I, and a Pringle jumper? I presume he's trying to tease le- like him. leather like leather speedos or something. Yeah, yeah. a vulcanized vulcanized rubber. rubber. Oh, of course. Um, I presume that it's sort of it's him it's his kind of nightmare but it's also like a metaphor for his situation that he's being forced to basically you know perform for oh, his for yeah. the puppet masters of the BBC and, he's basically know. prostituting himself to TV executives I think is very much what it's imagine about. if someone actually behind this series listened to this podcast and they heard us dissecting <laughs> the, 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 what the does it really like, mean and they're just like well it'd just be quite funny if Alan was a stripper yeah <laughs> and, a peep, and it is I had a peephole Pringle yep yeah. also Alan when uh, this uh, when this series is made not Alan it's not a real person Steve Coogan do keep reminding yourself yeah. of that <laughs> 
was not a documentary. Was basically the same age as us when making this program. He was thirty-two years old when these. That is wholly depressing. That yeah, is isn't it just depressing. what we've done with our lives? We're sitting in a room. Well, we've watched <laughs> a lot of Alan Partridge. We've yeah, got that going for yeah, us. That's a good that's point. About it. Yeah, we. He hasn't made a podcast, has he? That I'm aware of. So we've certainly put in far less effort than he did <laughs> making of his program. I think we're the real winners. Yes, exactly. So up, up yours, Coogan. <laughs> <laughs> In summary, in summary, at the end, towards the end of this first episode of tribute towards Alan Partridge, up yours, we love you, really, Steve. Thanks, Feel free to Steve. tweet us. So now that we've finished with all the salient points of episode one, series one, A Room with an Alan, it's time to play Cards Against Alanity. This is basically a customised version of Cards Against Humanity. No, 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 Adam, I think you need to say it's nothing like Cards Against Humanity. Sorry, for copyright reasons. This is a very original idea that has no correlation to any other game that already exists. It's all done with love. Card game titans do not come around my house and do me. Um, So basically... It's in Bristol. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly Bristol, England. Um, Just again, 10 King Road. <laughs> Every host uh, of this podcast has been given a number of cards with Alan-related phrases that are said during this series. Um, each episode, we're going to have an incomplete sentence from the episode. They have to finish it as best they can with the cards they've got. And then producer Jed, who does not have a microphone, but is going to say hello from a distance. Hello from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to read them out to him, and he's going to ping his bell. Example bell, please. At the one that oh, he thinks is the best, oh. and then at the end of the series, somebody is going to win this game, and their prize can be nothing. Uh, I think the prize should be a shop soiled chocolate. Orange. They can have a shop. We brought some shop soiled chocolate oranges just for Tombra, so uh, we can give one of those <laughs> to the winner. So, okay, everybody, get ready. Uh, the sentence you have to complete with your cards as best you can is: "This morning, my pillow looked like her." This morning, my pillow looked like her. Okay. We've got a couple of answers in. Unfortunately, this does require a small amount of silence. We do know that dead air is a crime. Okay, we've got everyone's answers. So I'm going to read them all out once, and then I'm going to read them out a second time, and Jed is going to ping his bell for the one that he likes the best. So, this morning my pillow looked like a Buck Rogers toilet. This morning my pillow looked like a woman with the old todger. This morning my pillow looked like a chocolate mousse. And this morning my pillow looked like a spine in a bap. So I'm going to read those one more time. This morning my pillow looked like a Buck Rogers toilet. No bell there. This morning my pillow looked like a woman with the old todger. Who had, who had the todger? It was me. It was Nick's todger. Nick, Nick has a todger. There we go. It's one Spoiler. nil 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 to Nick, and we are going to play cards against Hellanity next episode as well. So yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps up the first episode. It so does. yeah, I guess stay subscribed. Is that is that what you sign up for the podcast? No, we begin, say these begin days. to be subscribed and yeah. then remain subscribed. Remain. Yes. Su- yeah. Our question to you is: Will you subscribe? Will Please you subscribe. do. Hopefully. Yeah. No, not hopefully. Episodes will get better than this. <laughs> I mean, also, next episode, episode two is Alan Attraction, where it's Valentine's Day, and Alan enjoys a romantic liaison with Jill, the receptionist at Pear Tree Productions. Lovely Who could Jill. miss it? I couldn't miss it. I we mean, literally I, won't. I, well, we literally we, have we to won't. not miss it. Um, but yes, we will be back with uh, discussion and insight and hilarity on that episode hilarity uh, is not guaranteed <laughs> we'll be back talking about that episode yeah, next week the episode will exist and you may listen to it if you like um, if you want to get in touch with us feel free uh, it's uh, thepartridgepod at gmail.com uh, on twitter we're thepartridgepod and on facebook it's facebook.com slash thepartridgepod we will see you next time have a lovely life bye, bye.
This is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. To find out more about the records they release and the podcasts they make, head to postpoprecords.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.